Hello and welcome to the third episode of the highly anticipated Mainly Football podcast. Today is our football Christmas special. So today we'll be talking about all things champions in Europa League. We'll be looking into Jack and Mikey's dream-themed five-a-side Christmas teams. And we'll uh, be doing our 2019 predictions, as well as a highly anticipated football quiz. So I hope you're excited. Obviously, I'm joined by Jack today. Hello, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. And Mikey from the first episode. Thank you very much for having me on again. That's quite all right, Mikey. So, starting off, Celtic. Last night, they, they got through their group, second in behind Salzburg. Um, who won all six of their games very impressively. Celtic got nine points in that in their campaign in the group stage. James Forrest, one of the notable players for them this season in the Europa League and the league, obviously. So what do we make of Celtic so far? Getting through the Europa League group, it's been kind of a, a good time for them this year. What do you I, reckon? I've been, I've been quite impressed by them. Um, obviously, three wins, three losses, a mixed campaign, but considering they're up against the likes of RB Leipzig and Salzburg, they've done well to get out. Obviously, at 1-0 last night, he questioned whether they would get through, and then Craig Gordon gifting Leipzig a goal. He thought, it's game over. Next thing you know, Rosenberg have equalised against Salzburg, and um, Celtic are through. So, surprising, but it's good to see another, uh, another British team make it through. Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, over the last few years, we've kind of been used to seeing Celtic kind of going away to Bayern Munich and these sort of teams and getting hammered. So, I mean, I'm not a massive follower of the Scottish Football League, but, um, I mean, it's nice to see them actually progressing and not being a team that's the underdog. It, they've actually got a chance of kind of going quite far. Um, I don't know what you think about that, Mikey. But it might be their level, the Europa League. It might be more orientated towards them and we've seen Rangers have had similar success this this season in the group stage under Steven Gerrard um, but it's just on the Scottish Premiership it's been quite interesting this year you've had in the last few years it's perhaps just been Celtic running away with it under Brendan Rodgers a little bit um, dominant but obviously this year you've had the likes of Rangers, Hearts, um, Aberdeen obviously better in previous seasons yeah. but Still up there, and the story that's uh, Kilmarnock at the moment, they seem to be making a lot of headlines with their rush to the top. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to see it sort of opening up the Scottish League because the last, well, for as long as I can remember, it's been Celtic and that's what everyone's known. But, I mean, yeah, like you said about them in the Europa League, it's more their level, I guess. It's nice to see, I guess they're playing with a bit more confidence now, aren't they? And they're going away to teams and thinking, we can actually win this. And, I mean, how far do you reckon they can go? Obviously, the draw's not out yet, but... I wouldn't be surprised if they if they kept progressing. Obviously, they've they've come out of the group now and they've they've played well against some of the other teams. The likes of Scott Sinclair, James Follow, James Forrest, Ryan Christie, they've all been impressing. And I think it'll be it'll be an interesting one, but I, it wouldn't surprise me to see them go far in the competition at all. Mm, Obviously, definitely. it's difficult without the draw because you don't know who they're going to have to play against and. Yeah where they're going to have to go and obviously with the Europa League it's round of 32 first so they've got that extra round as opposed to the Champions League teams but yeah obviously they've done well this year they've done well to get out the group I was a little bit disappointed with the performance last night didn't quite think they were on it and they did get very lucky but they're through now so we'll see what happens yeah that's all that matters anyway moving on to more Europa League this is uh, the English teams so Chelsea and Arsenal both won their groups uh, this season They've both kind of they've been Champions League teams for for well most of their history, but now both kind of didn't have the best seasons last year. So Europa League football for them, obviously new managers doing very well, 
in their first campaign. Giroud and Loftus-Cheek were the, both the top scorers for Chelsea with four and three goals. Um, how, obviously, they saw United win it a few seasons ago. Do you think they've got realistic aspirations to win the uh, Europa League? Yeah, certainly. I think definitely Chelsea. Chelsea have probably been the standout team in the Europa League this year. Arsenal have obviously done good things. They're still on that unbeaten run, something like 22 games now. Um, but yeah, I think the key thing with Chelsea and Arsenal this year, they've obviously been good in the Europa League, but as good in the league as well. This whole Thursday-Sunday thing hasn't really affected them. And they're doing it playing relatively strong teams in the Europa League as well. So I think it shows the squad depth that both Emery and Sarri have both got at their disposal. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Europa League is kind of an, almost like a nice rest for these sort of teams because they're, they're so used to the high-intensity Champions League football. That's kind of, they can go into this be feeling quite confident, really. I, I don't know what you think about that, Jack. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it comes down to squad depth, like Mikey touched on there. Chelsea have the option, or like Arsenal, of bringing in youth. So obviously last night they've played Hudson-Odoi, Loftus-Cheek, Ethan Ampadu. And I, I do enjoy watching the competition because it gives it gives these players a platform to play in um, in, in big stadiums against crowds. Obviously they've it's it's tough opposition. Obviously the opposition varies. Um, but no, they have impressed me and, and I do expect them to go far this season because... Like you say, they've got the squad depth. And they're impressing on the Sunday, they're impressing on the Thursday. What more could you want? Exactly. So, from that, Spurs, uh, their first visit to the new Camp for over 30 years. So, it's been a long time waiting for them. Obviously, they, they drew with uh, Barcelona and they progressed with, well, a rather unremarkable eight points and a minus one goal difference. Only beating um, Inter Milan by that by that goal difference and by beating Inter Milan. Um Obviously, we saw that Dembele goal, fantastic goal. And um, But what do you make of Spurs? Obviously, they, no one really expects them to get out of their Champions League group um, this season. What do you reckon? Uh, I've been impressed. Obviously, they for that game, they've brought in Kyle Walker-Peters, Harry Winks, two academy graduates. So it's great to see Maurizio Pochettino trusting the youth in such big games. Obviously, Barcelona weren't fielding their strongest side already being through the likes of Carlos Alinea and Munir both playing but Spurs can only beat what they come up against obviously they've they've not got the win but to get to come out with such a strong performance at the Camp Nou it is very impressive yeah and obviously unfortunate for Carl Walker-Peters he did actually make the mistake got caught out of possession by Dembele um, from the Spurs free kick um, but I mean it's quite a positive result cause they, I mean Obviously, Barca, they didn't have much to play for. They're already through, so it's kind of a tough one to tell. But you look at that result and you look at the highlights especially and Spurs could have scored three or four easily. And um, I don't know, it was it was a very positive performance despite the sort of overall group stage campaign for them being quite poor. What do you think about that, Mikey? Yeah, they've only got eight points across the six group stage games. But if you look at the group stage as a whole, they've given Barcelona a game both home and away. They nearly won at Inter. Um, I think Inter scored like two in the last ten minutes, um, and then they gave. I think they got a draw at PSV. Um, so it was a disappointing draw in the end, but they en they did end up getting a point from that. And then they did beat Inter and PSV at home. So overall, there wasn't really a bad game in there. There were some unfortunate results, but overall, eight points and a minus one goal difference for a team that had a relatively decent six games and probably did deserve to go through. Yeah, exactly. And uh, moving on to Manchester City, so obviously they, they uh, beat Hoffenheim on Wednesday night, and Sané or Sane as wow, you'd call him, goal. 
what a goal that was. And obviously he got his brace. Would you say that was kind of, he's not really been too um, much of a live wire this season, I'd say. It's more been the Sterling show, but would you say that's kind of, has he been performing well as a City fan who sees him week in, week out? Or he's, would you say it's kind of his first? He's he's kind of gradually eased into the season. His performance of his performances have been getting better of late, obviously, um, kind of spearheaded by that Hoffenheim performance. But I think with Sane, it comes down to confidence in his own ability, confidence from the manager. If Sterling and Mares are starting the big games, obviously Sane is not so much of an impact player. He's normally better from the start, where he can he can be used as an impact player, where he's he's used against the opponent's tiring legs. Obviously, from the start, sometimes he doesn't perform as well like in the Chelsea game where he was subbed off. Um, but I think with Sane, it's a tough one because his, his, in, his inconsistency could be... Once he's kind of got rid of this inconsistency in his performance, he could become one of the world's best footballers. Yeah, and what, what do you think it is that make, gives him that inconsistency? Is it his youth and inexperience? Or? I think it does come down to experience. Obviously, he's still only a young player. Um, and obviously that comes with, with game experience as he gets older, but I think his development, he will obviously continue to develop very well under Pep Guardiola. There, wh- whether he stays at City for a sustained period of time, we yet to see, obviously, but his development will be an intriguing one. And I, I must ask, because that free kick, obviously, fantastic. Is he is he number one on the free kick list? Because there must be a, a, a huge list of names mm. here. So... Normally, Kevin De Bruyne will be stepping over that. Obviously, he's injured. Sane has had a few wicked attempts over the past two seasons, but obviously, as he's not scored yet, he's not really been trusted again and again. David Silva scored against Huddersfield, a lovely curling free kick at the start of the season. Danilo and Kyle Walker both can hit stunning free kicks, and Raheem Sterling can also offer himself there. So there's there's a plethora of options in front of a, a dead ball situation. To summarise that, you're just a team of world beaters, aren't you? <laughs> Kyle and Walker's got a wand of a right foot. <laughs> and uh, oh, obviously, um, Hoffenheim under Julian Nagelsmann. He's a, another good, young, promising manager. Reese Nelson, someone who I've touched on in the last few episodes. Um, looking quite good. He's kind of got limited game time, but obviously he's got six goals in ten appearances in the Bundesliga. How did you rate him um, last night on Wednesday night? He came on at half time, and obviously with Hoffenheim not having too much of the possession, he wasn't able to make too much of an impact. When he got the ball, he looked bright, running into space, creating some chances. Obviously, limit the limited chances Hoffenheim had, but he was he was a bright spark. And on the on the point of Nagelsmann, it, I don't think it'll be long before someone else snaps him up. He's so intelligent as a manager and he's got this Hoffenheim team playing very, very well. So I don't think it'll be long before um, someone snaps him up. Yeah, I think obviously City's always going to be a tough place to go, especially on a European night. But yeah, they they really did push them for 60-odd minutes and then obviously some Sane brilliance. I very much see Sane as the underrated player in City's attack. Obviously, you've got all these big names, Sterling, Aguero, De Bruyne, Silva. I very much see... Sane as the underappreciated player. Obviously, you can't forget he won the Young Player of the Year award last year and it kind of went a bit unnoticed. Obviously, didn't get into the Germany's World Cup squad. So, yeah, I do very much see him as underappreciated and that nights like Wednesday are just going to be... that It's the first of many. Just on that underappreciated point, obviously, you've got Sane there who whose ability is kind of taken for granted. But I'd also add 
Gabriel Jesus to that as well. So Jesus hasn't been in the best of form of late. He's, he's missed chances, obviously notably at Watford the other week. He's been he's been playing well in terms of the build up. He's helping. He's pressing very well. But I think with Aguero's form, I just don't see Jesus getting into the team or in in them big games and sustainably making appearances um, from the from the starting role like he was in his first season in England. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess if City, it's just there's just so much competition for places that there's always going to be a couple of players who kind of fall by the wayside a bit. And uh, maybe Jesus has kind of fallen victim to that because Aguero's kind of stayed injury-free so far and obviously being his brilliant self. And just touching on one more Hoffenheim player, um, Andre Kramaric. He signed for Leicester quite a few years ago, but he's kind of, he moved away, not doing, making too much of an impact in English football, but obviously scored against England in the um, Nations League qualifiers and scored scored against City. Um, do you think he could get snapped up by a bigger team at some point, maybe next summer? Yeah, potentially. I think obviously Kramerich is one of these flag bearers of players who have come to the Premier League and it's perhaps not worked out, but they are a better quality than what they've shown in England. He's obviously gone away to Hoffenheim and we've seen it at the World Cup and he did score against England a few weeks back in the Nations League. So, yeah, I definitely think it, he could potentially get snapped up by a bigger team who we don't know, obviously, but, yeah, he's got the potential. I think with Hoffenheim's style, obviously... Him himself could be considered quite a bit of a target man due to his size, but I think his pressing as well, it kind of makes him a complete striker in terms of, obviously he's not the finished product yet, but in terms of the attributes he has across the board, um, will, will certainly make him an attractive prospect, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And anyway, moving on to the team who are currently sitting at the top of the Premier League, unfortunately for you, Jack. Um, Liverpool, they beat Napoli 1-0, Salah scoring in the first half. Um, I mean, I would argue Napoli never really got going. They maybe seemed a bit intimidated by that sort of away day at Anfield, which is kind of a notorious thing. I don't know what you think of that match. Um, obviously, you both watched it. What would you reckon, Mikey? Yeah, it's obviously you said about Anfield, the tedious atmosphere on a European night. That seems like their big thing, and it probably is the most intimidating place to go in England for a European team, but... I can't remember who said it. Someone in the Napoli camp said, oh, we're not intimidated by Anfield. We, we play in Italian football every week. I think it week. might have been Fabio Cannavaro, yeah. actually. He said, he say, oh, we're, um, we're, not, we're not intimidated by the Anfield atmosphere, but obviously they, they looked it because they, didn't, they never got going. But I wouldn't put it all on Napoli. We saw PSG go there earlier in the year and they didn't really get going. They nearly did take a point, but they probably didn't deserve it. And I think... You've seen that with Liverpool getting to the Champions League final last year. Not a lot of teams can go to Anfield, especially on Champions League nights, and put in a performance. Look at City last year. Yeah, exactly. The best, the best team in England, and they were completely outclassed in that first leg. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, Napoli, they kind of... It, it, it looked like they could kind of break through at any point. And with that attack with Mertens and um, the other plethora of names, Hamsic... Insigne. Insigne, of course. Um, they look... They looked like such a dangerous side, but it just they just couldn't really get it together against Liverpool. And I guess it was that Liverpool just outworking them. Obviously, Salah scored a nice goal. It's nice to he's been in probably the best out of the front three for Liverpool so far. I mean, they haven't been quite as impactful as last season, in my opinion. Salah though scoring that goal kind of rem gives you flashbacks of last season. Um, personally, bad defending from Kulabali, but great goal nevertheless. Um, and obviously that Allison save. Was um, 
well, very, very, went pretty viral on um, social media. I don't know what you think about that with uh, as a City fan th- of Edison. But I think, um, just a point on the Salah, I think he's, he's he was claimed to start the season very poorly. Now, I think he was never going to reach the heights of last season. Of course, yeah. And he was he was still performing well. I'd, I didn't th- I felt he was being quite harly, harshly criticised. Um, obviously, of late, he's been the best of the front three. He's been impressing very, very much so. And I think in terms of Liverpool's title challenge, he will be crucial yet again um, to kind of spearhead that attack, whether it be from the right or the centre. And a note on Alisson, I mean... The save, it was, it was obviously a very good save in terms of positioning. However, I think, I, I think the keeper, uh, I think the commentators felt um, that Allison saved it with his arm due to the angle. That's the only thing I can think of in terms of why he's thought that was such an incredible save. Was, no, obviously it's a very good save to get in the position and make the stop, but it's obviously hit his hit his um, hit his stomach area, and um, but. I don't, I'm not sure it's all that it's made out to be. I guess I guess under the pressure of it, it was something like 86 yeah. minute late on in the game, and obviously if they can see that they're not going through, and they're going to be crucial save. Yeah. So in terms of the magnitude of the save, in terms of making that choice and not having the nerves and kind of getting the positioning right, I guess it's massive in that aspect. That's probably where the talks come from. Obviously, if he makes that save in the 30th minute when they're one nil up perhaps isn't talked about as much but obviously because it's kept them in the Champions League and sent them through exactly yeah and you, you need sort of players all across the pitch who can sort of win you that game and get you through in those big moments one last thing on the Champions League we saw AC Milan they've kind of been struggling for a few years they were actually uh, beaten to first and second by Real Betis and Olympiacos um, they've kind of they've been missing for a long long time haven't they and they've had they've had Clarence Seydorf as manager and a, a plethora of other managers. I don't know what you think about them in the recent years of AC Milan, but I think they they're trying to rebuild this gener with this generation of young players spearheaded by Patrick Cotrone. Obviously, they've got Roman Ogley as the captain. They're playing they're playing some good football under him. The striking point about the game is that they only needed a win, a draw. They could even lose by one goal lose by two goals as long as it wasn't a 2-0 or a 3-1 defeat and they fell to a 3-1 defeat so it will be a tough pill to swallow for AC Milan coming so close yet being so far yeah definitely anyway moving on we've got our first Christmas related thing so we've got all the the serious chat out the way so you boys have both done your um, five-a-side Christmas theme team so Jack we're gonna do we'll do we'll do each position taking turns to you so Jack do you want to start with your goalkeeper oh I've actually gone for a sweeper keeper a sweep keeper okay. so the formation's gonna kind of be a 2-2-1 so it's it's more of a fly goalkeeper than an actual goalkeeper it's like rush goalie is it <laughs> but we'll start at the defense and I've gone for John O'Slay and we've either got Fabian Rudelph or De Elf oh you, you can take your pick of which which is uh the least pleasing both very, very unpleasing that. Mikey, what about you? So I went for, as someone from Berry. I watched him when he was on loan from Berry. Um, he was at make, Berry. You can just make up a name now. <laughs> he was at uh, Berry for a few years, obviously, and got his first England call-up last year. I've gone for Nicholas Pope. Nicholas Pope, ooh. Okay. Relig- going down the religious element there. Going down the religious route. And what about your other defender? Gone purely off keeping it we'll, we'll add a bit of religion in I've gone Jesus Gamas 
course, of course. course. Going for that nativity. Yeah. And Jack, what about your other two? For for the midfield, I've gone with Ryan Bauble and Kingslay Coman. Who's Ryan Bauble? Ryan Babble. Oh, ex, ex, Liverpool. Yeah. ex Liverpool. So I was trying to work out who you're talking about. Um, I was thinking Bertram for some reason. What about you, Mikey? I had Kingsley Coleman as well. So, okay, you're both I, 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 can, I can mix it up with a different midfield if you like. Okay, you're going to have to. We've either got Angle Di, An, Angel Di Maria, which <laughs> yeah. is, is a bit too standard, so I'm going to go with Coutini. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best one. <laughs> well, I went for Andres in Iesta. Andres in Iesta? Yeah, as in like an in. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. I was trying to, I was like, in? That is, okay, that's definitely the worst. Okay, and Jack, your final one. Final one. Now, you've obviously got Roque Santa Claus. I'm going to avoid him, and I'm just going to go with Andy Andy Christmas Carol. That's a perfect one there. And do you want to sing a Christmas Carol for us? I'm all right, thank you. <laughs> can do that, I <laughs> and what about you, Mikey, last one? I did go with Roque Santa Claus. Of course. That was my strike. You can't go against that. You can't go that's, wrong. That's the most obvious that everyone always comes up with. Yeah, it's the best one. So, and I mean, I, I couldn't actually get a team together. I'm not clever enough for that. But I've got one player and um, a bit of a West Ham legend, a bit of a West Ham sort of, well, among West Ham fans. I'm not sure if you know this. But I've De gone Canio? for... No, Darren Rudolph. Ooh. The ex-West Ham backup keeper. Um, where is he actually? At, where's at he middle, playing now? I think he's at Middlesbrough. He's at Middlesbrough, yeah, isn't he? Middlesbrough. That's why he's a good keeper, to be fair. And um, anyway, that was our horrific five-a-side team thing. Anyway, moving on, we're going to do our 2019 predictions. So obviously, we've got Modric winning the Ballon d'Or this year. We have Mbappe getting the Copa Trophy for the best under-21 player, uh, a newly formed award. So what do, we're going to start off with Ballon d'Or. Michael, we'll start with you. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be your Ballon d'Or winner of 2019? I've gone back to tradition, even though last week the Ballon d'Or kind of took a new step, giving it to Modric. Obviously, Messi and Ronaldo have been the main ones over the last few years. They give it to Modric, perhaps deservedly. But yeah, I've gone back to tradition. I've gone with Ronaldo. Um, I still see Juventus as favourites for the Champions League and, of course, the Serie A. And then, of course, it is a Nations League summer and Portugal are there. So should he spearhead them forward, it, he does make a case to win another Ballon d'Or. He's got, yeah, I mean, with all those competitions, like you said, he's got a good chance of winning multiple trophies and he's almost guaranteed the Serie A already. Uh, what about you, Jack? Sticking with the traditional opinion, I'm going to go with Lionel Messi. Now, as well as it being a Nations League year, it's also a Copa America year. Now, Messi hasn't been blessed with success with Argentina, and maybe that's been his downfall in terms of the Ballon d'Or. Maybe that's why he's maybe not got the plaudits he deserves in terms on the international front. But I think if Argentina were to win the Copa America, I think Lionel Messi will be the winner of the Ballon d'Or. Obviously a good shout. I'm going to go for someone probably a bit, bit less mainstream, um, Harry Kane. I'm doing similar reasoning to you. I'm not sure if Spurs will win the Champions League, to be dead honest, but and I'm almost certain they won't win the Premier League. But Harry Kane, he was um, the, scored the most goals in the calendar year last in 2018. And you could argue he could have won it if, if England got to the final or won it um, even. But I think if he carries on like he does and like he has for the last few years and England football comes home and England win the Nations League, 
I think he'll have a very good chance. A bit similar reason to Ronaldo, really. Yeah, definitely. But I'm, I'm backing Harry Kane and England and Southgate to, to deliver for to us. To bring it home. To bring it home, of course. Anyway, moving on, we've got the, the Copa Trophy. Um, obviously, Mbappe won that for the first, first year this year. Who do you think will win it for 2019? I think if Mbappe... If Mbappe has an incredible year, he's got a chance of winning the Ballon d'Or. However, I feel if if he has a, an impressive year, obviously he's won the World Cup with France, but I feel if Messi and Ronaldo stand out above him, because obviously he's still very young, I feel Mbappe could win it as, again. I think Hasim Ouar of Lyon is an outside shout, but I think um, for me it comes down to one of them too anyway. Yeah, well, French football looking very promising, isn't it, of all these uh, young players coming through. Mikey, what about I've you? I've got three. You've got three? I've got three. I've got one high priority. Obviously, I think Mbappe is probably the main one. He's the most established name probably in that age category. And obviously, he's won it this year. I don't think too many players will quite reach his level in the next 12 months. I'd be surprised if he did. Um, I also thought Sancho. We've obviously seen him do very well at Dortmund in these first few months. He's won a Bundesliga Player of the Month award and he's consistently racking up goals and assists. Um, and then I did a really outside one. Like This is like really outside. If this <laughs> came off, like it would be strange. I'm, I'm, I'm worried now. <laughs> I went with... I also used the same reason as Ronaldo and Kane. Okay. But I went with... Was it, was it Trent Alexander-Arnold that was nominated this year? For the for the Ballon d'Or, the Copa. For the Copa. Uh, um, sorry, the Golden Boy. Yeah, was he nominated for the Copa? I think so. I think he was in the top five, maybe. So I've gone with a right back theme, and obviously it's a Nations League year, and Switzerland are in the Nations League. So I've gone with Kevin Mbappé. Oh, great! A little bit of an outsider. He's not that young anymore, though. He's about twenty-four, isn't he? Uh, he's, he's still young. You're going to go for him, him for um, Ballon d'Or, are you? Ooh, <laughs> no. That's a bit of a shout. Bit too far. Well, I'm going to go for. Um, Talking about sides, I don't necessarily think he'll win it, but to go to, to change the theme up a bit, I'm gonna and I mentioned him earlier. Uh, Usman Dembele scored that great goal against Tottenham. If he can, if he can kind of push on, there has been questions about his attitude, like you said earlier, Jack, uh, before the episode started actually. But if he can really push on, he's one of these players who, who's already at a top level, like Mbappe. Um, there's not really too many other players on that level of Mbappe and and um, Dembele at the moment. So I, don't, I think it's he's got an all right chance for it. Just on the on the on the talk of outside shouts, I'm just going to throw one more name into it. Do not say Phil Foden. No. <laughs> now on the topic of last week, we touched on how defenders and midfielders are often underappreciated in the light of Luka Modric's Ballon d'Or. Now this is for the Copa Award. Is an Ajax defender, possibly on the on the move in the summer. I don't think it will be January, but he is alongside Virgil Van Dijk part of the Netherlands' next generation of young players. He's a fantastic defender, has every attribute needed to go to the very top, and I'm going to go with Matthias Delict. When was he born? Was he a 2000? I think he's just slightly older than that. Oh, OK, yeah. So we've got Mbappé up to 23. Does that qualify him for the Golden Boy? I think just about, but he might be 20, he's going to be 24 before 2019 ends. So, I mean, it's, it's so, a very, very... Is it, is it under 21? The, um, the Copa. It is under twenty one, oh, so yeah. he's not he's not valid, unfortunately for you, Mikey. Um, so you've already lost when we come back to this in about about twelve months I'll time. Go, I'll go with Sancho then. Sancho, okay, he, that's just a bit of a cop out, really. Yeah. No, <laughs> but um, 
so this is kind of another one, not necessarily going to be for the Ballon d'Or winner, but most goal calendar goals in 2019. We'll start with you, Jack. Harry Kane is a great shout. Mohamed Salah could be a good shout if Liverpool continue to continue to thrive in the Premier League and the Champions League. However, if I'm going to back Lionel Messi for the Ballon d'Or, I'm also going to back Lionel Messi for most goals in the calendar year. Fair, fair enough, fair enough reasoning. What about you, Mikey? I'll go with probably the most complete number nine in the world at the moment. I'll go with Harry Kane. Harry Kane, of course. Won it last year. Well, most calendar goals last year. So, yeah, I'll go with him again. I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you there. Um, and the last but not least, a bit more of a negative one here. We've got the first Premier League manager to be sacked in 2019. Uh, we'll start with you this time, Mikey. Who do you reckon? Genuinely struggled with this one. I <laughs> genuinely could not think of someone in particular who deserved to be sacked because obviously it's difficult because we've seen teams go up and down all season i'll probably go with david wagner just because as we have seen teams move around huddersfield have always stayed in that relegation zone or near um near to it and obviously the squad depth the squad in general probably isn't great and tough period coming up they've got some big games and if they can't put together some results could be the first to go yeah yeah I mean that's quite a quite a good shout there what about you Jack well, I, th- I think the top 13 managers have, have all got their job safe I think 14th with Cardiff Neil Warnock I think obviously he's doing very well at the moment Cardiff are flying at the moment however I do think if they hit a bad run of form and they look set for relegation he could be in with a shout obviously like Mikey said with David Wagner uh, David Wagner, I like Roy Hodgson with Crystal Palace. Both only have one win in the last five, so they're not blessed with the they're not blessed with form at the moment. But I'm gonna go for Roy Hodgson on that note. I think it comes down for me anyway. It comes down to one of those three because I think Ranieri, Hasenhutl, Daish, and Benitez will all keep their jobs until the end of the season. Yeah, of course. And on the on the note of Neil Warnock. I put to once. I personally disagree that he's got a, a good chance of getting sacked because you look at the Cardiff team. I don't think when he took over they would have expected anywhere near promotion. I think with the form they're at at the moment, I think he should be okay. Yeah, I mean, even if they went down, it wouldn't surprise me if he stayed because I think they would have faith in him to go back up. But Roy yeah, Hodgson's but obviously a good shot because Palace they've they've been in the Premier League for six, seven years now, and they've kind of they've progressed a bit under Pardew then they went through a horrible run of no wins in most of 2016 I think it was 2017 um, I think they kind of they need to carry on progressing because they've got a, a big risk of going down actually so yeah I'll probably have to go with Roy Hodgson as well and anyway that brings us on to our Christmas quiz so um, thank you for your predictions we'll look back at those in about a year's time see how wrong we were but um, anyway moving on to the Christmas quiz so I hope you're excited for all this because I've got some great questions for you so as of December 2018, name the four football managers to manage in the Premier League at the age of over 70. That This isn't all current Premier League managers. This is all Premier League managers. Over the age of 70. Yeah. Over the age of 70, yeah. Sir and Alex there's four. Ferguson. That's one, yeah. Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson. Yeah, that is there. Arsene Wenger. I think he was in late 60s. Do you have to pass oh, it on Manuel to Manuel Pellegrini. Nope. Oh, he's not. On to Mikey. So it's one apiece now. And there's two more to go. Neil Warnock. Yeah. I was going to say Neil So Warnock. there's one more, Jack. If you want to make it level, it's a it's tough one. He's not a current one. Premier League manager. I'll give you that hint. What what kind of era are we talking? Over 10 years ago. I can't tell you what club because you'll get it straight away. Is it a big club? 
Yeah, they're a pretty big club. Maybe maybe not currently a big club, but they're not they're not a top six club at the moment. That's thrown my prediction off. <laughs> okay, I'll give you one more guess each. I'm going to push you for an answer there, Jack. Alan Kirbishley. Unfortunately not. What about you, Mikey? I was going to go Harry Redknapp. No. I mean, he's quite old, though. Yeah. There must be quite a few managers who are about 68, 69. Late 60s, yeah. Um, it was actually uh, Sir Bobby Robson. Oh, uh, the late Sir Bobby. Of, of Newcastle. So that, that was 2-1 there. So you, you get the point there, Mikey. 1-0 up. Oh. Four questions to go. Jack, you've got to get back from this. <laughs> so three teams have sat at the top of the Premier League Premier League only to be relegated in the same season. The first one was in 1998-99 and the others have been since then so there's nothing before that. Can you name me the three? We'll start with you Jack. Leeds United. Nope, unfortunately not. West Brom. Nope. Shall I give you a hint? Yeah, go on. Is it anything below the championship? One of the teams is. The oldest team is. So we've got, we've basically got two championship teams now. Charlton. Charlton are the 1998-99 one. They're obviously in League One, so it's now one 0 to you. And we've got two championship teams who were when they got releg- before they got relegated were top of the league and then got relegated the same season. Norwich. Nope. Ah, oh, that was it. <laughs> it's a tough Aston, one. This Aston Villa. No, not Aston Villa. They were dreadful this Bir- season. They Birmingham. No, not even Birmingham. Middlesbrough. No, not Middlesbrough. God, you're listing every team. This is too hard. You've you've done the quiz too hard. I thought you were more knowledgeable Killed about football, to be honest. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a former player who used to play for them. This will make it so easy. Oh, First person to answer gets this, by the way. Blackburn Rovers. No, you've I've said, said that. Robert Snodgrass played for them. Hull. Yeah, Hull's oh. one of them. We've got one more. I'm going to give you another player. Funnily enough, they were, they were doing very well under Mike Phelan, weren't they? Um, Mike Phelan was downstairs before. Was he? Yeah. Well, should have got him on as a guest. <laughs> anyway. Mainly football podcast announcement. Exactly. <laughs> of our 26 followers. Anyway, last one. So, this team, probably quite a big team. I'm going to tell you their ex-player is JJ Kotcher. Bolton. Who got that first? No. I think it was just about you, Jack. Just about. Just about. So, that that was one all now, is it? One all. Okay. Third one. Charlton, so... No, but the whole the whole score. So, you won that round. Yeah. Don't try and and sneak past (laughs) me, mate. Yeah, just take that out, mate. (laughs) Um, Right, so... Number three, Ryan Giggs is the, well, this is a while ago now, but he's the, the Wales football manager. And which sport was his father, Danny Wilson, um, a, a Welsh international in? Rugby union. That goes to Jack, just about faster than Mikey there. So that's two ones to Jack. This one's a football-related one. Mm. Harry Kane was the first English player to win the Premier League Golden Boot since which other English player? This is a really good one. Michael, Michael Owen. Nope. Alan Shearer. No. Teddy Sheringham. No. Les Ferdinand. No. <laughs> You're not going to get it. Wayne right? Rooney. No. Jermaine Defoe. Shall I tell you what season it was? Yeah. Yeah. 1999 2000 season. Uh, Robbie Fowler. No. Shall I tell you what team he played for? No, no, no. no. Ian wait. Wright. No. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. I feel like we can get this. Is it, is it you, top six Premier League team? He, he had a very long career. He, he played well in. He played well. I'm not going to say when he played Andy till. Andy Cole? No. Sure. I feel like I probably watched it His career it was t- over 20 years long. I feel he, like I probably watched it on like Premier League years or something. 20 years long. He played for Sunderland. Okay. Kevin Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Phillips was the top, the Golden Boot winner, 1999-2000 yeah. for Sunderland, um, obviously retired a few years ago. 
So that brings it to two to three one to Jack. So Mikey, unfortunately, you know what? I'll make it interesting. Throw throw make it six. We're gonna make this we're gonna make this a two point question. Ooh. So if Mikey gets this, it's level. Okay. Go on then. So which Chelsea footballer played every minute of the season for the club when they won the domestic league in twenty seventeen? Gary Cahill. No. Angolo Canto. No. Thibaut Courtois. No. Cesar Aspilicueta. That's the one. So that's oh. real. So now I've got to think of last question. Got to get that's a bonus right. question. Throw a up. bonus question in there. Got to throw a bonus one in for you. Okay. So last question for you. You better both get this. As of 2017, which European football club has supplied a player in a starting lineup of every World Cup final since 1982? Quite a tough one. Inter Milan. Nope. No, I can't tell you what country they're from, but they've they've supplied a player in every World Cup final since 1982. Real Madrid. No. Barcelona. No. This game had a narrowing down game. Jack. Atletico Madrid. Nah. Just just think of big European clubs, mate. Man United. No. No. Fortunate struggle. <laughs> PSG. No. They went. They went for a yeah, bit of a bad. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't as. As weren't as as good a team, obviously. Bayern Munich. It? Bayern Munich it oh. is. So Mikey's come back from three one down, much much like actually um, Ajax on the other night when they drew with Bayern Munich. Mm. He's got Bayern Munich. So Mikey wins the quiz four three. Well done, Mikey. You win our this Christmas hat of mine. I'm going to throw that at you, and you have to put it on for a nice photo Looks for us to tweet out. Lovely that. And um, anyway, that brings us to the end of our episode today. And this will actually, unfortunately, be the last episode for quite a while because we're, we're going on our Christmas break, aren't we, Jack? And um, we'll all be very far from this studio, unfortunately. So you can next expect to see us probably beginning of February, eight, end of January. Um, so we'll have plenty to talk about. It'll be an extra long episode to make up for it. But I've been George Carden. Thank you for listening. You've been joined by Jack Hill and Mikey Partington Thank for his second appearance. Much. Very much. Very prolific um, appearance maker for us now. Yeah. We've got to do the stats of that. Anyway, thank you for listening and we'll see you in January. Yeah.